The Over the Bonnet podcast is brought to you by Merrimark Medical, Gippy Foam and Rubber and NICAD Earth Moving. My guest today is the Queensland Shadow Minister for Agriculture, Industry, Fisheries and Forestry. After serving on the Kilkeven Shire Council and Gympie Regional Council, Tony Perrett made the step up to representing Gympie at the state level for the LNP back in 2015. And with only weeks to go until the next election, he's leaving nothing to chance. And it's a pleasure to have him in the studio today for Over the Bonnet. Over the Bonnet with Mark Peepers. <laughs> well, at least the guests are good. You'll never know what happens with the conversation when it's Over the Bonnet. <laughs> You're kidding me, aren't you? Tony Perrett, welcome to Over the Bonnet. Thanks, Mark. Great to be here this morning. You've been busy leading up to the election. What do you want to see? Well, look, you wouldn't script a more difficult election period. Obviously, with the coronavirus uh, kicking in 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 March, obviously everything that we know uh, has changed in the last six months, and including uh, my role as a local member and what I actually do, and then, of course, in the lead into the election. So challenging times for everyone. Uh, but of course, you know, we'll, we're aimed and, and focused on October 31. What has changed and what will change and continue to evolve in the way you're dealing with it? And it must be frustrating being in opposition. Oh, extremely frustrating, Mark, extremely. Uh, I've spent two terms in opposition almost six years. Uh, so I can get up in the parliament and make the most informed and passionate speech about a particular matter on behalf of my constituents and my electorate. Uh, but unless you actually have the numbers uh, in the parliament, Uh, it's very, very difficult to get uh, legislative change. Can you see yourself as the Minister and moving into the Cabinet? Well, look, it's certainly a great privilege to serve as a member for Gympie, uh, and obviously my focus is being uh, re-elected on October 31. Uh, Should we, uh, as the LNP, uh, gain enough seats uh, and then be able to form a government, uh, I would love to serve uh, in a Cabinet. Uh, I've served in the Shadow Cabinet for the last three years, and once again, uh, that's a great privilege to be able to do that and particularly the, uh, to represent the interests of agriculture, fisheries and forestry around that shadow cabinet table. Uh, but you really do need to be uh, in government and in and a cabinet to be able to make those changes. You have a background in, in, in the rural and, and is that how come you've uh, got that, that cabinet, that posting? Well, I certainly have a, a, a good understanding of issues in and around rural and regional Queensland, in particular agriculture. Uh, that's my background. Uh, I grew up on a property in Kingaroy. Uh, where we farmed uh, cattle and, and horses, of course, and but also row crops, peanuts, which is unsurprising to a lot of people when you say you come from Kingaroy, uh, but always like the cattle and horses. So, yeah, got a strong background uh, in uh, rural and regional Queensland, in particular agriculture. So uh, when I do uh, liaise directly with industry groups, uh, I do uh, have, a, have a basic understanding, but of course agriculture is very diverse uh, here in this state. What do you bring to the table as the local member to represent them? You've you've got a a lifetime of political uh, involvement. You you like to think you bring a a common touch to it. Uh, You you do. Uh, Of course, we've still got our rural property. Uh, It's a family property uh, that my wife and my daughters are involved with. Uh, So you bring uh, a common understanding of the issues that are important. And by and large, being involved in government shouldn't be complicated. Uh, it shouldn't be. Uh, yes, it can get complicated from time to time, but you, you want to see people succeed, you want to you know, improve their lifestyle, uh, and of course that's what I uh, aspire to, to achieve, 
as a local member. And, and I did, you know, in my local government days. Remember, I had 13 years in local government uh, prior to being elected into the parliament in 2015. Uh, so uh, I've served my community for a long period of time. Uh, and look, there's a lot of diverse opinion. Uh, and you don't always please everyone, Mark, in this job. Uh, very difficult. You have strong opinions on all sides of arguments. But of course, you look for the best. And, and the best outcomes for the, you know, particularly for my constituents. As you say, you have uh, served the community for a long time. What got you into local government and politics in the first place? Look, I've always had a strong interest uh, in politics, uh, going back to my teenage years. Always, you know, was aware of, of what was actually happening. Uh, got involved, uh, particularly at, at that stage, in the Young Nationals, uh, which gave me an opportunity to to be able to mix socially, but also then have a have an interest in, you know, policy development. Uh, and that was important to me, uh, particularly you know, when I hold strong views about uh, certain aspects in and around rural and regional Queensland, particularly agriculture. Uh, and then, uh, of course, we shifted you know, from Kingaroy, uh, uh, my wife, uh, Michelle, and then we had two uh, very small daughters at the time, uh, moved to Kilkeven, and, that, and we made that home where we bought a cattle property. Uh, then I got the opportunity uh, then to, uh, to run for the Kil former Kilkeven Shire, so back in 2003. I was actually appointed to fill a vacancy at that point in time and then elected into Kilkeven Council 2004. Then that flowed through to the amalgamation of councils. You recall Kilkeven, Gympie and part of well, it was Kalula and then part of Tyro were formed, uh, well, well you know, created to, or there was, a, there was a process at the time where they went through the amalgamations that then formed the, the Gympie Regional Council. Uh, but before that, we'd been sort of working you know, individually as councils. but. Uh, at that stage, that got me then to, to be able to serve at a higher level. Was the amalgamation a good thing for the area? Because some of the smaller, um, I know some of the smaller areas did complain that they'd get swallowed up and wouldn't get the attention that maybe they did when they had their own council. Yeah, look, it, it was certainly a challenge. Uh, I recall, you know, Kilkeven days, look, there was just a, you know, a very rural council. It had three and a half thousand Residents uh, had an area of almost 8,000 square kilometres, uh, and uh, look, they, in my view, did a very, very good job. But yes, there was challenges coming for those smaller councils, and of course, the government uh, decided they were going to amalgamate councils right across this this state. And as as I mentioned uh, here, it was Kilkeven, Kalula, and part of Tyro were put together to form the Gympie Regional Council. And by and large, I think it's worked. Uh, but you've got to work hard to make it work, Mark. You, you really do. Um, it's easy to, to get distracted in the in the higher population areas, and and maybe take your, your focus off the outlying areas. Something I've never done uh, because I appreciate uh, what we have across the whole region and the whole state for that matter. Well, especially since you come from a rural background. Yeah, and look, look, and that and that's what drives me with it. Yes, look, yeah, look, we we live in a very very good region, uh, and the electorate that I represent. Uh, is a very good electorate. Obviously, you've got Gympie as the, the main population centre, but you've got everything that sits around it, whether it's from Rainbow Beach, Kalula Cove, Tincam Bay on the coast, then back into the Mary Valley, you know, here where we are today in Widgee, uh, or back in, or Glastonbury, Widgee, and then back into the uh, into the north, in towards Glenwood, Canalda, Curra. Great region and uh, very diverse, uh, and a lot of interests, you know, that are, that are that don't align, but geez, a lot of people that, that a lot of good people in this region that, that work hard to to make it a success. It certainly is. It's an interesting thing that you said that as a teenager you had an interest in politics. It's not something there's most teenagers. Do you do you does it surprise you that you had that interest at such a young age? 
Oh, look, not really. Look, I, I grew up, you know, obviously in Kingaroy, and the Premier was Sir Joe Bajogi peterson uh, So there was just a natural interest in politics. I mean, around that, I recall uh, my schooling years where he used to come to the uh, to the to the primary school where I went, uh, and his and his wife Flo did as well. So I always had this, that natural interest, never thinking I'd ever ever end up in politics. Uh, but Mark, it was just opportunities that had presented themselves uh, that probably have led me today. Like I didn't set out to pursue this. Uh, it was one of those things, but even the local government, it was just the fact that there was a council resigned uh, back in 2003 that gave me the opportunity to put my name forward to be considered. Uh, and then of course you go to an election every time. Uh, you know, in local government it was every four years. Uh, state politics has been three, although now they're moving to uh, four year fixed terms. So look, there's, you, you never take anything for granted. Like the people put you there. Uh, so and they can throw you out just as quickly. So you've, you've got to keep working hard, never take anything for granted, uh, and keep focused on, on what the electorate wants. You talk about Joe and Flo, what were they like? Look, they were great people, really great people, uh, and their family, very good family people. Uh, obviously, when you serve at the level that they did, there's an enormous amount of responsibility. Uh, but you know, particularly in that, in that period, uh, they, they were you know, great leaders here in Queensland. Uh, and I don't think Queensland would be what it is today without the leadership that was thrown, uh, that was that was shown by uh, Sir Joe uh, back in the 70s and 80s. It's interesting, I remember the story because um, I was covering uh, politics as a journalist at mm. the time and I remember Joe got bitten by his own dog <laughs> because he hadn't been home enough. Yeah. And that's a lot of pressure. What sort of pressure do you find sort of being on the road and out and about as a politician? How does it affect you and the family? Well, look, it's, it's constant. Um, local government was probably uh, a little bit closer to home. Of course, you, you, know, you still do everything you need to in the electorate, uh, but being a shadow minister, uh, you have the responsibilities across Queensland and uh, industries are always wanting to, to, to meet with you. And of course, you know, I, I accommodate that uh, because it's important that I understand you know, their issues and then can make you know, those representations, particularly around the, you know, the shadow cabinet table uh, and then in the parliament where necessary. So look, it's busy. Uh, you are away a, a lot from home. Uh, I've been lucky. I've got a very supportive wife and Michelle. Uh, my two daughters have now uh, grown up, so they they were educated locally and they've uh, you know they still work locally, uh, but they're now adult, you know, young adults. So it just makes it that just a little bit easier. Uh, very difficult if you still had very young children to be able to you know, find the the yeah you know, the balance between your elected role and then obviously your, you know, your role back at home. Well, you're from some sort of political dynasty. Your father, Trevor, was uh, obviously uh, part of the... Uh, the Borbidge government. Borbidge, that's it. Yep, yep. Um, how did that influence you? Look, it was, um, it, 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 was, it was challenging at the time. I was obviously in my teenage years when he was, he was a, uh, a, a member of the, you know, the, 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 the government at the time. And, uh, but I had to take on the responsibility of the property at the time. Uh, and... Look, it was a challenge. It was certainly a challenge because you're definitely in the public eye, even at that stage. Uh, you know, you're aware of what's going on around you. Uh, so it, 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 there are challenges, but, but equally I've, I've kept, you know, and I, I like to think I've kept very grounded through it all. Uh, you learn a lot, of course, you know, through it. You, and, uh, and, and I, you know, I tend to like to, 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 to do a lot of listening. Um, you know, like I said, there's lots of opinions. People have enormous amounts of opinions. Um, and yes, when I'm asked for an opinion, I'll give an opinion. But uh, you've got to be a very, very good listener and then work out what's genuine uh, in, this, you know, in the role that I have because uh, by and large, most people are very good, but you also see 
uh, some people that, that you know have their own vested interest for whatever reason, and you've just got to be able to you know to work your way through it. And I, you know, I, I think I can do that, uh, but you do that you know with with experience. Because of the fact that you did have that responsibility, it must really give you an understanding of what Michelle and the girls have had to cope with and still do when you're out and about as a minister or shadow minister, hopefully minister mm. in the, the next government. Um, it must really give you that really acute understanding. Look, it, it, it does. And like I said, there's a lot of pressure uh, that's involved in this jo- job from time to time. Like There's deadlines, there's timelines that you've got to, you've got to follow. And uh, it's important that you do actually follow those um, because I don't like to let people down. Uh, we do our best to resolve issues, and uh, I know I've got you know, two great staff in the office that, that do a lot of work uh, to be able to assist that process. And you know, some of the great rewards are not some of the bigger issues, believe it or not. <laughs> you know, I, I get many requests through my office, and if I can resolve an issue for someone that that they've been beating their head against a you know a wall for a long time, and I can do something to assist, uh, then you know, most times that's a, that the most gratifying. Uh, of uh, yeah, process of what I actually you know do and achieve. Away from politics, you've got the property. Tell us about that and how it all works and how you're involved and and what you're what you what you're up to. Hmm. Look, it's it's just a yeah, it's a grazing property at Kilkeven. Uh, really, you know, quite a good grazing property. So, uh, family property of my wife and the, and daughters have an interest in that property, uh, and I enjoy it. Like cattle and horses uh, are what I uh, do naturally. Uh, they are. Uh, yeah, something you get a lot of reward out of, and at the moment, beef prices are, are pretty good. Uh, there's been some challenging times, and I mean, it's got to go back earlier in the year, and uh, everyone that was on the land in this region would know that... Um, you couldn't give them away. You couldn't give them away. And <laughs> and the drought was, was, you know, I don't think we'd seen a drier period uh, earlier this year, sort of late last year into, into January. Uh, a lot of people are starting to get worried. Uh, and, of course, that, that that's the sort of complexities you go through on a property, and you try to mitigate that the best you can. Uh, but even sometimes with the best management processes, it does get a bit more challenging. So uh, I'm lucky; I've got, you know, that they've got that natural interest in it. And uh, one day when I'm finishing this job, uh, I very much look, look forward to going back to that, uh, back to that property. With the rural aspect, what's the thing that really that you really like the most about it? Well, look, in a lot of cases, it's, it's the isolation. Uh, it really <laughs> is, Mark. Uh, funny enough, my mobile phone doesn't work on our property, or only works in very uh, select areas on that property uh, and that's a good thing because t- at times you do need to get away uh, you're connected to it on a daily basis particularly with the technologies we have now uh, everything's in front of us it's in our hands all the time uh, but you do need to release from that uh, and for me to go back you know jump on a horse or get back in a in a set of cattle yards and draft as cattle uh, I don't have to think about that that just happens naturally because that's what I d- you know I did before I got into this job uh, and look of course I still get onto the property very occasionally uh, and be able to experience that. But the frustration is you can't get any length of time on the property to be able to set yourself some tasks or goals and then be able to get them completed. You talk about that you love the isolation. You've really picked the wrong job in some ways. How do you cope with the fact that you've got so many people that are looking for a, a slice of your time? Look, you've got to balance it out. Uh, you, you really do. Uh, you've got to make certain you get the priorities. Uh, and of course, the priority is your electorate. Uh, so not only do, you know, do I have you know, meetings in my office and, and there's lots of constituent meetings, uh, I make myself available you know, throughout the electorate you know, with mobile offices uh, where you actually go into certain regions. Uh, and look, a lot of the times you don't get people that come and see you and you 
Uh, and, and that's probably a good thing because if they're not coming to see you, presumably there's not too many issues that they're dealing with. Uh, but you've, you've got to, uh, community events. I love attending community events. And it's one of the things that we've seen in the last six months. A lot of those community events have been cancelled because of coronavirus. Uh, there's just a few now that are starting to kick off again uh, where you can go and sit down and have a morning tea or lunch with uh, a group of you know, community-minded people. And it doesn't matter whether it's a school, yeah, PNC, uh, or whether it's a CWA, or whether it's a sporting group. Uh, I love going to those, and, and I'll, I'll be doing that again this week. Uh, you know, I think I've got to go to a bowls club to present a Queensland flag, which is what I love doing because uh, you, you just get that interaction, and and through that interaction, you'll learn a lot, Mark. You do. You hear what the people on the street are, are, are talking about and what they're thinking. What's the biggest surprise then as uh, being the member for Gympie for six years? What's the biggest surprise that when you went into the job that you find out on the street that you didn't think that you'd expect? Look, a lot of it's just common sense you know, lawmaking, Mark. It is. Um, the, the, the problem with it is you see a lot of situations where it's not about you know common sense. It, it, it is not. It's about, you know, uh, you know, political deals that are done, and, and, and look, I guess that's easy for me to say because I sit in opposition, and it is frustrating uh, when you do. Yes, we make representations to ministers about a lot of things, uh, and you do get some you know, positive outcomes, but a lot of times it can take weeks, if not months, to get you know get responses, which which is frustrating. So, look, it, it's look, this is a good region. It is a really good region and an easy region to represent. Uh, because important, you know, we've seen the, the the investment, particularly from the federal government, into the the four laning of the Bruce Highway to Gympie, and that's made an enormous difference. Um, not only has it built confidence within uh, the residential and business community, but it's saved lives. You know, we all remember, you know, the, that notorious section of road south of Gympie between there and and Karoi, a you know terrible stretch of road. Now, while you're not directly involved with the decision making to actually build that. Uh, there were certain advocacies that you've, you've done and I continue to do um, you know, with, with roads around this region. But to see that commitment and then to see that, you know, that magnificent highway uh, that's built to Gympie uh, is, you know, is satisfying. Um, and, and they're the sorts of things that, that governments are responsible for. And you've got to make certain that governments deliver the infrastructure uh, that they're responsible for. What would you say in your term as the member for Gympie are some of your biggest achievements? Look, probably one of them that stands out, and it took me four years to resolve this, was that the, getting the University of Sunshine case for them to get access to an unused and empty TAFE building uh, at the Gimby Education Precinct. Uh, that was terribly frustrating because it was a building that was just sitting there unused. Uh, the University of Sunshine case obviously had their campus. It was full. They couldn't accommodate any more uh, students there. They wanted to expand their presence in Gimby. And there was a building there, you know, 50, 60 metres across a car park that, that they'd been promised. Uh, by the former government but of course a change in government it wasn't delivered and then you had to fight and that was one of them um, that was one of them yes it was a lot of kicking and screaming um, but the community were behind me uh, the local media you know were, were obviously on board with it and could see the benefit for the region it just took you know took a lot of a lot of advocacy to the government to get it across the line and uh, unfortunately we did so that, that that's one that comes to mind look there's obviously the, the smaller ones that you know where you get just constituent issues uh, whether it be health, whether it be education, uh, whether it be child protection, all those sorts of things. We do on a, on a daily and weekly basis and you get some really good outcomes. Speaking of outcomes, what do you really want to do? Say the best case scenario, the LNP is elected in the next um, term. What do you want to achieve for the Gympie electorate? 
Look, the, the Gibi region is well positioned to grow, and we know that. Um, but it's got to be you know, the, the sort of growth that we want in this region. Uh, we, we see so much across Queensland where uh, we've seen unbridled growth without the necessary infrastructure commitments to be able to support it, Mark. And, and you've only got to go drive to Brisbane. And, it, and, it, and we, we all experience when we drive there, uh, when you get into, into peak hour traffic or that, not, you know, that, that traffic that just doesn't flow, um, then when you've got to try and retrofit infrastructure, and that's what, that's what they're doing in Brisbane, trying to retrofit infrastructure into a busy city already, it just becomes very difficult and very expensive. And one thing that we do have the opportunity to be able to do in these sorts of regions is get the planning right. Yes, look, there's some great challenges in and around Gympie, and we all know about those with the flooding and everything that sort of links back into, you know, some of the you know the, the decisions were made 150 years ago in respect to the you know when when uh, when Gympie started to be to be built. Uh, but we still have an, a great opportunity to be able to get the infrastructure spends right, Mark. And it's important that we do that. And whether that's directly into into health, whether that's into education, whether that's into our road system, uh, you know, and the support services sit around it. We've got to be able, to, we've got to get that right, and because this region is going to grow, we, we're seeing it, Mark. We're seeing it, and it's a great place to live. Uh, it's not far from, you know, from the Sunshine Coast of Brisbane. Well, now with the highway, people can just commute. Well, less than two hours, you know, into the into the centre of Brisbane if you get a good run, <laughs> if you get a good run. But it's but it's important that you that you build it correctly. Uh, and I, I think the way this region and what it is, particularly with our rural residential sort of lifestyle, uh, it's it's very very good. It's 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 something that we must retain. Uh, you know, I, I, I really don't support high density living. Yes, you get that in the cities, uh, but this region needs to be built in and around you know a lifestyle. Do you think we should be uh, expanding on the lifestyle of the by growing more houses? As being quoted by uh, certain real estate agents, that uh, we should be building our population base look look we, we, it's, it's happening in Queensland anyway so we want to get our share of it um, yes it's got to be managed mark it's got to be well managed uh, look at the moment there's when you talk to local real estate agents uh, properties come on the market and are sold very very quickly uh, and of course you want to you know then you've got to build the economies around it. it's just no use building houses housing is a one sector of economy uh, of course you know you look at you know construction uh, and agriculture are still the key economic drivers, manufacturing uh, in this region. So you've got to be able to support existing business to be able to grow their business and particularly the job opportunities that come with it because uh, if you can bring, you know, bring more people to the region but at the same time increase the, you know, the, the wealth of the region then, and the average weekly earnings, then we're all better off. And that's what, that's what I think all governments should aspire to is to, you know, to, to make certain that the next generation uh, is left in a better, better shape than what the previous one. Looking at the show Yes Minister, and it was always number 10, was yep. floating in the background. Do you have aspirations to move to the Queensland number 10? No, look, look, I, <laughs> look, look Mark, I, I just want to be elected as the member for Gympie again. Uh, look, look, what then happens uh, is up to uh, the, the parliament, obviously the party in the parliament. Uh, but look, if I, if I can serve in a, in a cabinet, uh, that would be a great privilege because when you serve in a cabinet, you are able to bring, uh, you know, certain influences around, you know, the, not only your electorate but also uh, the shadow portfolio and then the portfolio that you then represent around that cabinet table. And look, rural and regional Queensland is great. And and it's a, and, and look, when you when you look at the the, the demographics of the, the Queensland population now, um, two thirds of Queenslanders live in southeast Queensland. 
So Gympie is what is the first region that's removed from the official boundary. Uh, and look, ideally, I, I think you know, future population growth should be outside of southeast Queensland. Now, that's not always going to happen, but if, if we're able to achieve that, and I can bring uh, you know, advocacy to that around a cabinet table to make certain that, the, that, the, that what, what people take for granted in, in southeast Queensland is then delivered into the regions to make certain that when they want to move there, that they actually have the basic services, then I think... Uh, that would be a great, great outcome, Mark. You talk about <coughs> South East Queensland. Do you think that um, uh, a lot of the government departments are based in South East Queensland? Would you push for a, uh, a, a, a decentralisation of government departments as such? Look, look, I think government needs to have a focus on that. Look, you can't decentralise everything. And obviously, you know, a lot of these departments are well established. But it makes sense to get some of the key... Uh, key decision making and particularly you know the responsibilities in the Department of Ag even even just to to rebuild it back to what it was would be a great achievement um, a lot of the infrastructure is there Mark like we, we look in in Gympie we have you know government offices that are there that are probably underutilized somewhat uh, and that's the same story right across rural and regional Queensland so it's we don't have to to to, to do a lot to be able to put back and, and invest into the regions. A lot of the infrastructure there, the government infrastructure and the, the government offices are there, Mark. It's just a matter of you know, having the will and it being driven from government. And, and it's got to be driven. You've got to, you've, you've got to make certain, particularly when you're in a leadership role, and, and it was no different in council, that you know, because your elected representative or the elected representatives have an important role to drive it. And, and if it's not driven from the top, a lot of times uh, it gets lost within the department and the various agendas that are that are even run within within departments, Mark. On the leadership stakes, we've got Anna Palaszczuk and we've got Deb Franklington. Now, Deb's struggling in the uh, in the polls. What can she do to lead the party to carry you over the line? Is it necessary for the leader to do that? Do you think it's still that statesman like um, American style as it is even becoming, say, in Canberra? Mm. Look, there's certainly that's driven by the media, uh, mm. that sort of style, Mark, and it is. Um, look, the, the reality is you've still got to keep working hard. And you've got to convince Queenslanders that the policies that you you have and believe in are best for the future. Uh, and look, you wouldn't script a more difficult election period. Uh, and I say this <laughs> regularly, and I've probably said it earlier. I've just, if if we're going to script an election uh, and run into an election, you wouldn't do it with a coronavirus because, of course. Uh, the Premier, you know, gets to, you know, and, and, and rightly so, the Premier leads the response. Uh, and, and it's difficult for, for anyone in opposition to get the cut through. Uh, look, the, the reality is it's very difficult for us to try and win an election talking about coronavirus, Mark, it is. Um, <laughs> yes, it, it's, it's, it's something that we're dealing with. The, the concern that I have is about the, the plans for the you know, medium to long-term, Mark, for this state. Uh, we have an enormous debt, and the debt's uh, increased almost you know, 17 or 18 billion in the last few months. Uh, and when you put that into perspective, look, they're big numbers and they, and they run by, 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 by people very quickly. But, you know, we pay in this state, you know, and, and when I, you break it down to, to what you pay in interest on that debt, and, and I say we being the, you know, the taxpayers of this state, it, it amounts to $420,000 every hour uh, of the day Every Holy day shame. of the week. Wow. Yep. It, they are big, big numbers, Mark. They are serious. And and that was before the debt was increased, as I said, by 17 or 18 billion just in recent times. 
Um, because that, of the coronavirus? That was, well, the, 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 yeah, the, the, so the, the 17 or 18 billion, and that was the economic update that the Treasurer gave us back a couple of weeks ago. So remember, we don't have a budget, uh, which is challenging because as a shadow minister, you like to know what's going on you know, by the, the minister that you shadow, and particularly within the department, so we don't have that information. But we do know the, that the budget's blown out by a significant amount. Now, of course, yeah, there was always going to be a cost um, to what's happening in and around this coronavirus. By and large, the federal government have done all the heavy lifting, and they have, uh, and, and uh, have pumped hundreds of billions of dollars into the economy uh, through various you know, measures. However, it's debt, and, and it does take away from your ability to be, able to, you know, to be able to invest into the future. And if you're not investing correctly, uh, then there's some real challenges because the debt just keeps escalating, and it's no different Mark, to you know, you know, private homes or whether it's businesses, it's got to be managed and you've got to know that you've got outcomes. You don't invest money without generally an outcome, whether it's for a home or whether it's for a, you know, in a business, you take a lot of risk. And that's the concern that I have is just in and around um, trying to get that message you know, through to Queenslanders. And look, we're, like I said, Deb Franklin is working particularly hard, uh, particularly hard. Uh, she's forthright, she's, she's intelligent. Uh, she knows what you know. She she and how she wants to lead this state. We support her one hundred percent. But yeah, it's a difficult challenge winning government because, uh, as 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 is often said, governments lose government, oppositions don't win government. But you've got to remain credible, uh, so that you are a credible alternative to the people. And look, I believe we're in it. We are. We're working hard, uh, but. Uh, that you know, we still have another five weeks ahead of us, Mark, to be able to you know, get this across the line. Okay, talk about coronavirus. Has the government done a good job, say, with the border closures? And now they there's talk that they may open up to northern New South Wales, down as far as Lismore, Byron Bay, to have that bubble for northern New South Wales. But it's been closed. Has it been the right decision? Look, there's been some challenges around it, Mark. There's been enormous amounts of challenges. Look, look, I go back to March, and and this is interesting. Um, we were we were given a brief uh, back in March before they closed the Parliament down for a couple of months, uh, and closed Queensland down. And we had the Director General of uh, Queensland Health come and address uh, most MPs. And of course, they didn't know what to expect. And they were telling us, and this was the worst case scenario. And thankfully, this hasn't happened. But the worst case scenario was that there was going to be 50,000 Queenslanders were going to die. That's what they told us. Now, that was based on what they saw in the early modelling from overseas. The great challenge for the state and the country, and this, this had nothing to do with politics, this was all about uh, Queensland Health, was to build the capacity within our hospitals, uh, so the ICU capacity and the ventilation capacity, because there was none, or very little and couldn't cope with a worst case scenario. So of course there needed to be measures put in place to be able to then build it. And of course the nation did, not just in Queensland, every state did that. Um, it's been the way, you know, the, so from that point on, obviously there was a lot of businesses that were struggling. Remember even in this region, you couldn't travel from Gibby to Rainbow Beach, it was too far. And there's a lot of businesses from March through to June that really struggled, particularly tourism businesses, a lot of unknowns. Uh, and of course there's a huge economic hit uh, to you know those businesses and employment, and look, I was getting a lot of angry phone calls. I was receiving them, people, you know, businesses that were fearing that they were going to go broke, and some of don't worry, some of them have, and we're still seeing a lot of that. And I think we'll see that into the future because this this crisis is not over. But there needed to be a measure, um, and that was obviously closing the borders off. But it's then been how you actually manage that. And look, I know in my shadow portfolio, there's been a lot of frustration. 
around it because while agriculture was deemed an essential industry, um, every time they've, they've closed it down or made the restrictions tighter, uh, they haven't at the same time provided the, yeah, the, the necessary regulatory process for those essential businesses to keep you know, trading across the across the border. So look, look, there's no perfect scenario, Mark. But the the, the thing that I that worries me is the economic challenge that we're going to get out of this. If you if you if you're unaffected or largely unaffected, you're not too worried about the borders being closed. Mm. But if your businesses are struggling uh, and you've lost your job, then you have a completely different opinion. Uh, and of course, I get all those opinions, Mark, uh, and it, and it's difficult. Uh, but Look, let's hope there's going to be a, you know, a vaccination found that we can actually get back to some level of normality sooner rather than later, uh, because the economic hit to this nation is enormous. Like when you see economies contract, uh, and I think you know the state and national economy has, has already contracted 7%. There's just generally less money to go around, obviously more debt, and, and we're going to be you know, feeling the effects for, for, for a long time. In some ways, are you going to in government inherit a poison chalice because of the coronavirus, because of the debt? Yeah, look, yeah, it, it's going to be challenging. You know, that some of the plans that you may have are, are all predicated on actually, uh, you know, having a viable economy. And of course, we're not going to go broke, but <laughs> but, but uh, it's what you can actually invest into. And as I said before, Mark, that $420,000 an hour on the old debt, if you think, you know, if you, if, you know, people just put their mind to what they could actually, you know, if that was spent on, something locally, you know, you accumulate that for a day and then spend that in the local hospital or on a new road or new bridges uh, or in schools, um, you can do a lot. And that's going to be the challenge because when you when you don't have the, the revenue and remembering that, you know, agriculture by and large has done pretty well, uh, mining uh, is still, still, you know, ticking along quite well. But, you know, the revenues that come from, you know, from, from those sectors are very, very important. And if the world economy declines, and then obviously the demand declines, uh, then those industries could be under pressure too into the future. So we've just got to be mindful of all those things. Uh, of course, we have plans uh, for the state, but from my view, it's got to be invested, particularly you know, from a business sense, into, into the you know, productive end uh, of the economy to make certain that the taxes are paid so we can support you know, all the services that we have across this state. What's the main worry, do you think, of the average Queenslander that you're hearing at the moment when you're approaching into the election, they're talking to you? What are their worries? Look, it, it primarily comes from business. Um, as, I, as I indicated earlier, Mark, look, people that, that haven't been affected um, or... or yeah, Carry on as usual. Well, they, they do. They, look, if they haven't been financially affected, then, uh, yeah, they're, they're not really saying a lot. It's the it's the businesses that that you know keep contacting me um, about double standards um, as to you know why certain things can happen in one area but they can't happen in another uh, and why the government does that and I, and it's very difficult for me to explain because I don't think it's sensible in, in a lot of cases uh, but look it, it, it's important that that you know that those that, that yeah that the economy remains a viable mark because that's how we deliver everything uh, we live in a very privileged society and we do. Uh, by and large, most of us don't need a lot. Yes, there's, there's you know some some real challenges within um, even this region. You know, with homelessness and those sorts of things, and you've got to be very mindful of those and find solutions to deal with those things. Uh, but we do live in a privileged state and a privileged nation, and we've got to be mindful of that and not take uh, what we have, you know, at our doorstep for granted all the time. Because 
uh, you've only you, know, you look around the world and there's still a lot of lot of lot of people a lot of countries uh, that live well below a standard that you know I think is acceptable. Five weeks to go until the election. What is on your agenda that changes as you move into that sort of re-election process? Yeah, look, it, it, it's a scripted process now, Mark. So we, we know the election is on October 31. Uh, obviously, uh, the parliament will be dissolved uh, and the writs issued. So that happens early uh, October. So then the government goes into caretaker mode where they can't make uh, you know, government or political decisions. Uh, so that'll that'll progress along. Obviously, once the nominations close, uh, you go through the ballot draw, and and look what we're going to see, Mark. And and I'm already I'm already seeing it. Like we're getting a, an enormous amount of um, contact with the office. Um, the old style voting, which yeah, we can go to the polling booth. That will still remain. Well, that's what we understand, unless there's some change between uh, now and October 31. But a lot of people are either going to pre-poll uh, or postal vote mark and and we're expecting at least half the electorate will will vote uh prior to actually election day being october 31 so essentially they've already made up their mind do you think well look the the way you way you go about it now is that you've got to obviously get your messaging out far earlier of course there used to be just the one day (laughs) and used to have the you know the run into into the into into the election day but of course now with two weeks of uh early voting uh, but but particularly now, a lot of people you know wanting postal votes, they actually sit at home and do it. So mm. you've got to obviously get that connection into those into those homes uh, to make certain that that yeah that they understand what I represent, and what I'm promoting, uh, and of course other candidates will try and do that that as that as well. Uh, and then you run through to October 31, then uh, the local returning officer obviously just uh, yeah pulls all the all the all the votes that have been cast, and then uh, the count. And you sit there with great anticipation, of course, on election night. And I've been through a good number of those, obviously through local government, and now in uh, in in, uh, in this role in the state parliament. Uh, but look, it's, it's never easy. It's never easy. Do you get nervous? Look, you you do. Look, look. There's a lot of things you can control, but there's certain things you can't control, Mark. Uh, and it's just making certain that that there's a that there's uh, you know a clear understanding of what you what you believe in, and what you want to take forward. That you're forthright with that opinion. Um, of course, you know other uh, candidates and opponents may have different views, and, and, and of course that that's right and proper in a democracy. Uh, but you've just got to make certain that it's that it's straight up and down, that it's not uh, misleading, that it's yeah, that it's uh, yeah, that, that it's genuine, and, and, and what they're trying to do is actually you know, for the, you know the best for the region and, and will serve the yeah you know, the greater majority of people. Election night. What's the general feeling when you when you're sitting in there and you, the anticipation must be mm. immense. Look, it is because you, you work hard right up to six o'clock when those polls close. So I won't relax uh, <laughs> until that point. And, and at that point, you've, everything that you, you could have or should have done needs to be done. Uh, and of course, that's what what yeah we're doing now. And, and look, look, I'm lucky. I've got a you know, great team of supporters uh, across this region. Uh, very good team of supporters that assist because you just don't do it on your own. Uh, yeah, campaigns cost money to run. Uh, and people expect you to do that, uh, so that you can actually—they know what you stand for, uh, that you attend forums, and that you, you, you speak to people. But yeah, you get to six o'clock, then you sit back, uh, like everyone, and you obviously have uh, scrutineers that, that keep an eye on what's what's going on and and, and and inform you. You look at the results as they come in from the ECQ, and they're posted on the on the website. And then, of course, there's the media interest. Interest, and uh, you know, all all sectors of the media have a specific interest. There's certainly. Uh, key seats. They try to get the trends early, 
uh, to see what's going on, and they try to call elections very early. But look, look, the reality is, Mark, and, look, and, and I don't know what the ECQ are doing, but if, if more than half, or at least half the people vote prior to election day, uh, a lot of times the results aren't known on the, on, the, on the evening because results can change very quickly, even you know, different demographics and type of people when they vote and how they vote, uh, it can change. So look, you don't read too much into it early, uh, but usually, you know, by nine or ten o'clock, you've got a, a fair idea how you're travelling. Are you confident? Look, look, I'm never confident, Mark. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I'm not. Look, look, I, it's, it's just the way it is. I, I've always, uh, I'm always conservative in the way I approach things. Uh, you never leave any stone unturned in this job. Uh, you work hard to gain the confidence of the majority of the electorate, and that's what you what you've got to do. Um, but yeah, look, I'm just by nature someone that's just you know that that. Hasten, likes to hasten slowly. You don't sort of, you know, roar in and try and make decisions uh, out of the blue and, and unnecessarily. Uh, you like to, to be considered and to make certain that you've, you know, you've got those, uh, those, yeah, those sorts of uh, processes in place. And if you've got those in place, uh, you've given it the best shot. What's something that people don't know about Tony Perrett? You're the public figure, but you do like to, as you say, you like to get the isolation. You like to get into the background and get away from. Mm the whole public life, but what's something that people don't know about you? Look, one thing that people wouldn't know, Mark, is the fact that I, uh, I've judged poultry in the past, So, uh, and, and a lot of people wouldn't know that, and of course uh, I'm not so much involved in it now because it's just a time factor, uh, but I grew up as a young fella uh, breeding and showing poultry, uh, then ultimately judging them, uh, and all different breeds, uh, and I love that. Uh, and, and one day I like to think I'll get back to it, but just at the moment it's a bit more challenging with time. So, yep, a poultry judge. What sets a poultry judge apart? What got you into it? What got you, your, your interest? Look, I, I grew up on a, on a farm at Kingaroy. Uh, both my grandfather and father uh, were both poultry judges uh, as well. So uh, I used to, uh, and that, well, I used to breed poultry. Uh, so that was something that was passed on. Uh, I remember sitting there, you know, putting breeding pens together, collecting the eggs, putting them in the incubator, hatching them out uh, 21 days later then going through the process of rearing those chickens, hope, hopefully, and hoping one day, to be able to breed a grand champion. Because that was always the pinnacle uh, of, a, of, a, of a poultry show, was to breed the best bird in the show. Uh, remembering many hundreds of birds were showed uh, at these shows, uh, and that was always something that I strove to show. But it was, look, it was great. Uh, and of course, uh, when I was a young fella, it was another source of income for me when I was a young bloke, being able to then, of course, you know, uh, uh, sell poultry, you know, either to to others that um, uh, that were trying to you know breed show poultry, or if they weren't good enough, Mark, uh, putting them in the freezer, <laughs> and that happens uh, regularly. And and selling them. Don't worry. When I was a young fellow, I used to to pluck plenty of chooks, and uh, and then sell them to uh, to people that I knew. Did you breed the grand champion? I did. Yeah, yeah. I did that on several occasions, uh, and it was more of a family. Uh, type thing. It just wasn't me individually, but of course I, I had a keen interest in it and loved it. Uh, getting up uh, early in the morning, feeding the chooks, uh, preparing them for a show, and there was a lot of preparation that was involved to you know, hopefully have the one that would be the grand champion. Uh, then you know, putting them in a in a box, uh, in a crate, and carting them off to a show. And I remember the time, you know, quite often we'd take 50 or 60 or even more to a show. Uh, so they go in the back of the back of the you know, Toyota and away you'd go, and then you'd show them. And then bring them all home and then do it all again next weekend. What makes a good chook? 
Look, they're bred to a standard, interesting enough. Like, a lot of people wouldn't know. Of course, most people just like eating the eggs or eating, <laughs> eating KFC. Uh, but uh, there, look, there's a, a myriad of breeds. There's a lot of breeds, uh, whether they be game fowl, whether they be large uh, soft feather or soft feather bantams or hard feather bantams. There's, look, there's a lot. They're all bred to a standard. Uh, some are more easy, easily bred than others, uh, just in that when you're trying to get you know, body type uh, and colour, and if they're a self-coloured fowl like a black or a white, it's it's much easier. But if they're a multi-coloured fowl, uh, you got to breed the you know you got to get the the perfection in the body type, and also in the colour. And it can be very challenging. You can get one, but not the other. Uh, and that that that's always and that's why uh, poultry fanciers and and don't worry, we have a lot in the Gympie region. And I I think I'm still the uh, the patron of the Gympie uh, Poultry Club. Uh, there's a, there's a lot. You'd be surprised how many people. Are, around this district that have an interest in uh, in poultry that and bird fencing but also you have an interest in uh, uh, judging cattle as well yeah i've judged cattle uh both uh both commercial and stud cattle um over the years not so much now uh we used to uh, when i was a young fellow uh, we had a we had a, st- a stud cattle herd and i was always interested in that uh not so much these days obviously commercial cattle is uh, is what we 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 produce now and, and look i love it um it's always trying to produce something that's better and that obviously that the market wants. Of course, uh, right across all agriculture industries, uh, there's not much use producing something that someone won't buy. Uh, so that's what we, we do. That's what we do on the property. And, and, and I believe that we are yeah, quite successful that we breed, you know, a, a, an article that, that by and large, uh, most buyers want. What are you looking for in a cow then? What, what makes a good, a, a good, a good commercial or stud, stud beast? Well, look, certainly from, from a commercial sense, wait for age, Mark. It's mm-hmm. what it is. Look, look, there's some, you know, you, we, you see now some, you know, some, uh, you know, some breeds that are, that, are, that are sought after more than others. You look at Wagyu's and obviously, you know, the, the you know, and look, there's something we don't breed, but, you know, some, some breeders do and they, they go into a specialised market and you see them in restaurants and obviously they're very, very expensive. Uh, you, know, you see Angus. Angus is another one that, you know, they've done a, you know, a very, very good job uh, that society of promoting uh, Angus beef, it's you know, generally pretty good quality. Uh, and look, that's what it is. Look, when you go into a, a butcher shop, when you go into a restaurant or go into a cafe and you order whatever it is, you want consistency in the product and that's the most thing. So if you're going to go into a, into a, into a, a restaurant or into a, into a hotel and, and have a steak, nothing worse than a tough steak and we've all probably had those. Uh, you want consistency and by and large you don't get that now because the, the breeding of the stock is much better, and also the, the process through the through the abattoirs in the selection of the, the better quality uh, meats to go into those those particular areas is much better. But yeah, for me, it's it's about breeding, obviously fertility into the herd because of course you want you know every cow to have a calf every year. Uh, they've got to be able to rear the calf uh, and wait for age mark because you get at the end of the day when they go to the side yards get paid on, on weight. So when you're actually uh, representing the, the the rural sector, you really have that common touch because you are involved directly. Does that help? Oh, look, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, when you can walk into a, uh, into a, into a side yards and you can actually wear a Cobra hat and look like you, sh- you, know, you can have it on your head rather than some politicians that put it on that, that should leave it sit in the box. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, there's plenty that do it. Uh, yeah, it's what it is. You've got to be able to, to, to understand the, the, the basics of the industry that you represent. So you've got a great portfolio. I do. I do, because, because it's what I do. And, and look, obviously involved in, in uh, row cropping, uh, you know, many years ago, growing peanuts uh, and crops. i uh, got a, you know, a, a solid understanding of that as well. 
Uh, I also had the, yeah, the portfolio of fisheries and forestry, and we know uh, forestry is a very, very important uh, well, it's a big industry, industry around here. Oh, it's, it's enormous, both the softwood and the hardwood industries. Uh, you know, and I worked in a sawmill when I was a young fella um, and oh, gained wow. some experience. Okay. Yeah, and it was just one of those things, like had a natural interest um, in, in that. So you, you understand the importance. And look, we have some, uh, some very, very fine timbers here in this, in this region. Uh, and, and it is sustainable, Mark. We need well-managed forests, uh, you know, and state forests because uh, it is a renewable and sustainable resource. It just needs to be well-managed. Uh, and we all love it. Yeah, a lot of us live in Queenslanders. There's a lot of Queenslanders in this region that have been built from the, you know, the timber of this region. So something that I'm, I'm also you know, proud to have a, a solid understanding of. As Minister, what can you bring to this area that is currently not being delivered? Mm. Look, one of the things we must support, Mark, look, we're very good at the primary production, so uh, producing the primary product, but it's the value add, Mark, where there's a real opportunity. And that's something that, that, that I want to work with, um, not only the local chamber of commerce, but council, uh, to be able to, d- to deliver that. Uh, if we can value add to the primary product that we produce, then that's a good thing. Um, How do we do that? Look, it, it, it's obviously supporting, you know, in a lot of cases, existing business to be yeah. able to be more profitable and employ more people. Um, you know, look, look at the manufacturing in this region, you know, whether it be timber, whether it be abattoir, uh, whether it be even Nestle. Uh, with what they do, uh, yeah, and while the product that they process there isn't growing locally, uh, that's an example of what can happen. Um, you get a lot of smaller industries, Mark, that that link into um, into those those primary those primary industries. And if you can get that value add uh, into those products, then you get you know the, the you know the, the hopefully the job growth. And look, look, this region has been challenged in around its employment for a long period of time, but its economy doesn't have the peaks and troughs. Uh, because it has a lot of uh, sustainable uh, industry, it, you don't get the, the fluctuations um, like some other regions uh, in this, this, this state get, like particularly in around mining. If mining has a serious downturn, you get a lot of those, those, those communities suffer badly. Uh, you've only got to go, you go further north from here, and, and particularly in the, in the north Queensland, uh, you know, places like Cairns are, are hurting terribly at the moment because of... Uh, because there's no one there, because yeah, the, the 80% of the people that come to Cairns are generally international tourists and that high value you know, tourism. I know someone that just recently did a honeymoon up in, up in Port Douglas. Yes. And they were treated like royalty because yeah. they turned up. Yeah. It, it must be hard. Look, look it is hard. And, and that's why you've got to be cognizant of those things uh, when you're building economies and try to diversify economies. Now, we're fortunate that we have that in this region. Be it tourism, you know, on the coast and the Mary Valley and other 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 areas, whether it be uh, agriculture, be it construction, and as I said earlier, manufacturing. You look at the manufacturing uh, that happens um, in this region, particularly you know in and around the timber products, and the value add that, that that then goes to it, you know, in companies like Laminex. But it needs to be expanded, and of course, you know, highway access, um, rail access is another thing, um, something that I'm a a great supporter of. Uh, I just wish we had. Uh, you know, a, a, a uh, faster train to the region. <laughs> It'd be good. Um, could it be something you could aim for in the next, uh, or the next uh, in government? Look, absolutely. Uh, look, it makes sense, Mark. If if you can move people around quickly, Brisbane to Cairns. Well, look, certainly, certainly, Mark, in, in this region, and I know there's there's talk amongst the South East Queensland Council of Mayors in around about fast trains, uh, fast rail services, uh, and I've written. To uh, the mayor of, uh, of 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 Brisbane City, you know, saying, "Well, look, don't forget us." And obviously, in the broader mix of 
uh, the Sunshine Coast and Gympie. Uh, you just imagine if we had a fast rail uh, that linked Brisbane into the Sunshine Coast to Gympie and then even on to, uh, even to Bundaberg. And you could actually get on a, on a rail service and be in the centre of Brisbane within an hour or less. And, you know, and, and, it, and it is possible. They do it in so many overseas countries. And in and, and a lot of cases now, Mark, it may be very well easier. Uh, as I said before, talking about greenfield, greenfield sites and then retrofitting infrastructure, it may very well be easier to get people to live further out but improve the, the public transport and actually get people to be able to commute uh, backwards and forwards. Um, and, and hopefully, and if you did that, and you imagine if we, we were able to do that in the Gympie region where we actually got them to live here um, and then spend their lo dollars locally, uh, it would be, would be wonderful. And that's something, look, I may never see in my time in, uh, in the Queensland Parliament, but certainly something that governments need to strive for. When the uh, city is bypassed, how do you think it'll affect it? Look, look, I, I think the, the city's well positioned. You know, Gympie and the region are well positioned to be able to, to, to handle it. Um, it's not like something that's, that's just going to happen and it's going to be done next in six months' time. Uh, I know the Chamber of Commerce and you know, I regularly attend their events and uh, interact with their, their executive um, in and around these things. Look, it, it's, the, the planning's there now. And look, I, I don't think it's going to be uh, a huge issue, Mark. I, I, one of the things that will allow us to do in the region, and it won't completely mitigate it, but certainly in and around the management of floods. Uh, I know uh, my time in, on council, I headed up the LDMG both in 2011 2013. And there was, uh, you know, it's a challenge to be able to manage floods around here. Now the new highway is above the Q100 flood level. So it will have um, advantages to be able to, to, to be able to manage those sorts of things. We'll get access. Get access. And yes, uh, there'll be still some challenges on the south side. Uh, but but by and large, it'll it'll ease some of the pressures. Should uh, we be doing a levee bank? I was out at Charleville recently, and it's really successful out there. Yeah, look look, there was a proposal when I was on council to look at putting a uh, a levee to try and stop the you know the flood water getting into Mary Street. Mm. Uh, but look, if you look across Gympie, there's lots of areas that flood, uh, and yes, it may have had some benefit, but it was going to be you know very costly. Uh, and the thing with the mean is. Mark, like, and, and, and this was in my recollection. Look, this, geez, this goes back probably seven or eight years ago now when, when, the, when there was some talk about it. Um, it's not just keeping the floodwaters out, but you've got to also remember it's going to be a big dam. And where it was proposed at the time, you've obviously you get the one in a hundred year rain event, which you've got to plan for, because they do happen every now and then, as we've seen. And you've got to be able to get the water out um, as well, because they'll. they'll pool water just as quickly as they'll keep the you know the water out so well, if you get over the if you get over the levee you're in trouble well that's it and 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 that was the other thing if, if it, the levee's breached then you've got all sorts of trouble so look no there's been no talk of that in recent times mark um look look by and large this region handles floods very very well it does it's well practiced and i know uh the time when i was handing up the local disaster management group it was um, every every sector of the community knows exactly what to do whether it's from the the chamber with the management of the of the, of the CBD, whether it's the SES, whether it's council, whether it's a police, fire emergency services, uh, the hospital, everyone the, just does things. Even the community, I have been to a few in town when I've been covering it mm. for, for news, and it's really interesting to watch everyone comes out of the woodwork and helps everyone else, bobcats with yeah. forklifts, and we're just moving things out. Yeah, it's, look, look, they do. Every, look, everyone just gets together. Look, it, it was a very easy process to manage. Uh, you know, and even recall the Royal Fire Brigade involved, particularly in Mary Street. 
So as the floodwaters recede out of those out of those businesses, that you actually it's important that you hose the mud out as it's as it's going, because uh, it's much easier to do it when it's receding than to let it dry then trying to deal with it. Uh, so look, very well practiced, Mark. They you know, and obviously we know that the uh, that the Mary River you know floods you know regularly. Look, if you look at the history, look, it's not every year, but uh, there's been some significant floods. Um, I recall you know when you look back at the data. I think it was 1892 or 1893 and around there was the highest ever flood mm. um, in Gympie, which was about 25 and a half metres. And to put that in perspective, uh, and we all know where the, the five ways roundabout is at the town hall, uh, the water gets up to there. So you can imagine the... No. Yep. The, oh. Yep. So the, the, the second highest that I recall was in 1999, which I think was 21.9 metres, uh, which got it up to Smithfield, feet, uh, Smithfield Street where the Westpac Bank is. Um, that was the second Everest in recorded history, but yeah, that uh, that that flood in the 1890s, uh, 25 and a half metres, which incidentally is above the Q100 flood level, uh, gets it right up near the town hall. Um, so you can think, and it, and it comes into the into the, and this is just you know recollection and uh, into into the Mary Street at about 17 metres thereabouts, 17 17 and a half metres. Um, so yeah, it's it, when you think there's. A good eight meters of water above that point um, down there around Monkland Street, uh, Mary Street. There's uh, a lot of water. That is an incredible, and to get it away, as you say. What's one thing, if you were to say there's one thing that really you love about this particular area, your electorate, it's so diverse, but what's one thing that you really love about it? Look, Mark, it Look, it's the people that are in this region. Like, I, I, I didn't grow up in this region. Obviously, we moved to the, the Kilkeven area back, uh, uh, you know, about 23 years ago uh, with a very young family. Nearly a local. Nearly a local, yeah. Well, look, look it was... <laughs> look, we integrated into the community, and, 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 I, and I think it was by and large because of our children, because they get involved in everything. Obviously, they went to school, uh, Kilkeven, then school, you know, in, in, in Gympie. Uh, my eldest daughter, you know, went to the University of Sunshine Coast, so she was educated, on, you know, locally, uh, they both daughters still work locally, but look, it, it's it's a wonderful people, and and you look at the community interaction, Mark, and 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 I often speak about it in the Queensland Parliament. I actually made speeches about it. Um, if you look at the st- statistical averages um, across the state for people that that uh, that volunteer within their communities, we are well above the average. We are, um, and whether that happens to be, uh, you know, in in Gibby itself, or whether that's on the coast of Mary Valley or outside. The interaction of the community is 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 uh, is is exceptional, Mark. It is, and I, uh, and it's one of the, it's the thing, and, that, and that's what I like about this region is is primarily the look beautiful region to live. Like the diversity in in what we have from the coast to the to the country is exceptional, but it's the people that make that up, and that's why I mentioned earlier. I don't think you know as this region grows, uh, I think we've got to retain that. Um, as we all know, we go into Brisbane, and I, I'm there regularly. You walk down the street, no one wants to know you. You just, you know, like where I can walk down Mary Street, or I can be in Rainbow Beach or Tin Can Bay, Imble, anywhere, and you know people, and you pull up and you'll have a chat to them. They're always keen uh, for a yarn, and 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 it's that, and it's and look, that that's by and large right across rural and regional Queensland. Like it's not something that's that's unique to here, but when you look at the statistical averages. Uh, we are well above the average in respect of what our community gives, and and if you tried to put a value on that that you know people that volunteer, um, I don't think you could. I don't know how you would actually value it in a, in a dollar term, Mark. Uh, but the, but the community would be much poorer uh, without it. I think that um, 
Yeah, you, you've hit the nail on the head because I know when I first came here, I was emceeing a, a fundraising ball. Yes. Made a huge amount of money, but the amount of people that just gave and gave of their time, gave businesses that, that donated. Yeah. And it's I've been all over the country, worked in pretty well every state. Mm. It's the people that mm. really set this this region apart. Well, look, Buck, they, they find a method, um, and whether it be those charity balls, and, and I know the one you're talking about, um, or whether it be, you know, even at the, even at the coast, um, and, and I just, yeah, Kalula Coast Medical Transport, you know, some challenges in and around health services there, and they found a, a mechanism to be able to, you know, to assist, uh, particularly the elderly in that area, to get to their medical appointments be there in Gippy or be it in the Sunshine Coast or elsewhere. Uh, and they do. They, they find methods. Um, people just don't sit around and whinge and whine. They find solutions, Mark. They do. And and it's very easy. Uh, and, and I found this in council and I find it in this job. Where people want to help themselves, uh, it's very easy for people like myself uh, in whatever role to be able to assist them, Mark. Because when when they're prepared to use their own you know time, sweat and tears at times to be able to achieve their outcomes and, 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 and what they're trying to, you know, to, to, to deliver their community. Definitely makes your job easier. It makes it easier, Mark. It makes it much easier. Just on a lot of side, we mentioned Yes Minister. Do you watch it? Is it what happens in the parliament and around it? Do you, do you see similarities? Oh, look, look, it, look it is, Mark. It is. It's, um, <laughs> look, and that's the frustration, don't worry. It is... Um, Look, the, the interesting thing is in, in this job, and, and, and whether it was in council or whether it's now, um, I want people to provide fearless advice to me um, in and around issues. I don't want the sanitised version and what they may think I want to hear. Um, ultimately, you need black and white advice. Um, and you, look, you, you, look, you can't do everything, Mark. Look, you do rely on other people, uh, and you've got to make certain you surround yourself with the right people. Uh, but you, want, you don't want the sanitised version. You don't want the grey version. It's up then up to me as a, as a you know, member of parliament or a politician then to, to, to work out what the best political solution is going to be. But you need to know the facts. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, that's not always the case. Um, and yes, Minister, uh, in, in some cases, is quite true. Can you mention some of the people that do help you? Can you, can you name names and sort of like give them the kudos that they deserve that are part of the team that help you? Yeah, look, look, it, it, it's it's hard to single out anyone, though, Mark. It is. Look, look, the, I've got a, a, a good rapport with so many community people. As I mentioned before, it's a you know, chamber of commerce, whether it's uh, school PNCs, whether it's, you know, uh, yeah, medical groups, um, yeah, whether it's rural fire brigades. Look, I, I really value, yeah, the work that rural fire brigades uh, do across the region. Look, there's, there's no... There's no one particular person. Obviously, you know, if I had to single out one, I'd say my wife. Uh, she's an enormous support, Mark. She is, and and quite often she will step into, you know, yeah, uh, an area where if I'm away, um, particularly you know the community work, where she's uh, more than happy to be able to go along. And look, don't worry. Quite often, uh, people may rather have Michelle come along, um, but look, because she interacts very well, and and and. Um, yes, I might be the one that's that's there, you know, taking the lead. But uh, it's a team effort between myself and my wife Michelle, uh, and it's something I'm proud of. And she supported me in local government, and she supports me now. Um, and and uh, and she'll give me fearless advice too, which is great because you need that. Uh, and quite often she picks up on things that uh, perhaps I may have missed. What do you miss? What don't you want to miss? Look, the, the, 
The thing with it is, is your, is your family. Um, as I said earlier, that, look, there's some, there are some enormous sacrifices you make in respect to time. And look, that's right and proper. You know you, you, that's what, what's expected when you go into this job. Um, but you can't afford not to find time for your family, Mark. Um, you, you must find that. And I think that's across all sectors. Look, our lives just tend to get busier and busier. Um, while the technologies, uh, you know, are improving all the time, I'm not certain that they make, um, you know, our lives any like better in respect of, you know, we, we become time poor, Mark. We do. Yes, there's been major improvements, but we've got to take time, and you do have to, you know, release from that uh, from time to time, you know, those pressures, and be able to spend time with your family. And and for me, by and large, that's just getting. Um, you know, getting back to the bush uh, where it is, or or even you know, and I love going to the beach. Not that I ever get there. Uh, yes, I get to Rainbow, but I never get net to, or, yeah down Tincan Bay. But I never I never never get to spend any you know you know time there in a social sense, or, or very limited time when I do. Uh, occasionally we get away for a yeah you know, for a holiday, and uh, yeah when we do we we, we try to uh, you know mix that up. Of course you know we were in the bush all the time. We're at the beach. Uh, you know, my wife, uh, Michelle's of Norwegian heritage, so we do like getting to the snow when we can. I haven't been there for some time, but uh, we do like you know, skiing and those sorts of things, which are which are just completely different to what we, uh, you know, what we know. And 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 to get back over, you know, or get or say get back over, to get to Norway, uh, where Michelle's got family members, is is always you know is always good. Any good on the skis? Um, I can I can I can go well enough. Uh, I I can ski well enough to enjoy myself. Uh, of course, I didn't grow up with it, uh, and like anything, if I think if you grow up with it, you have a uh, you know a much more natural affinity to it. Um, when you get a bit older, you start to think about the times when you do crash, and you do uh, and you try to avoid that. Uh, but yeah, look, it's just it's just the whole it's just different. Uh, once again, it's out, out outdoors, and I love anything that's outdoors. It's just different to what we, we experience, and I'm very you know very lucky that I uh, married someone who's got that you know connection to you know that sort of heritage. Are you a career politician? No, no, Mark, I'm not. Look, I I never sought you know this this role, like I, and I didn't. I was asked everywhere along the lines, asked to consider it, and of course, uh, I've I've already I've always just. Um, you know, thought deeply about that, and I go right back to 2003. Mm. You know, when I um, when I was asked to consider then to you know, put my name forward, and and I remember going and, and dropping it off the CEO. I think five minutes before it was due, uh, before the nominations closed, because I wasn't certain. And then, of course, like I mentioned earlier, the amalgamations that was a that was a great challenge uh, because you know the region I come out of only had a very small population, and then you had to try and convince enough people across the region. Uh, that you are worthy of their support, uh, and and it's the same in the state parliament. Look, you, 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 a lot of times it's just you got to be in the right spot, at, you know, to, to be able to. And and look, that that's so true across so many aspects of our lives. Uh, you know, the opportunities that present themselves, and you've got to consider them. Uh, and of course, I've I've done that. Um, but Mark, I don't want to grow old in this job. I, I don't. There's a lot of things that that I do want to enjoy. Um, get back on the property. We'll get back on the property uh, because I love that, Mark. That's that's where I just, as I said earlier, I don't have to think when I go there. Um, it all happens naturally because that's just what I did. Whether it's jumping on a horse, whether that's building a fence, um, whether that's fixing something uh, or you know drafting a mob of cattle, uh, you get a lot of reward out of that, uh, and it's something that I, I, I do want to enjoy. You know, in my latter years in life. Well, the election is five weeks away. Good luck. Uh, hopefully you can represent the the region 
on the government side of the portfolio and maybe as a minister, if that's uh, dictated by the Premier. What's the first thing that you'll do when you go in? It, it seems pretty simple, but look, you've got to work, you've got a department that, that, that's there to deliver for the state um, and, and, and every minister has that. And it's one of the areas that I want to make certain that, that the service delivery out of government uh, actually meets the expectation um, of the people that I represent around that cabinet table, Mark. It's as simple as that. Uh, you've got to make certain that you, you, know, you build those confidence, but you've, but you've got to deliver. And if you don't deliver, uh, there's only one way, and that's out. Uh, and that's why I work hard, and I will continue to work hard to hopefully have that privilege to sit around uh, a cabinet table. Uh, and, and if that's the case, um, then uh, in, the, in the time that you're there, that you want to actually you know, deliver for the industries that you... you sub- and, 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 of course, your electorate, because uh, without your electorate, you're, just, you're, you're not there. So, no, look, look there's, there's an enormous amount of opportunity, Mark. I hope to get that opportunity once again, uh, and I'll, I'll continue to work particularly hard um, right up until October 31. Tony Perry, thanks for joining us over the bonnet. Thank you, Mark. It's been a great privilege. This podcast is brought to you by Mary Mark Medical. Mary Mark Medical is your local medical practice in Gympie that specialises in quality family medical care. Are you always sick, ranging from acute medical issues to the management of long-term chronic conditions? When you need to get better, even if you have complex health problems, get the right diagnosis with Mary Mark Medical. Contact Mary at Mary Mark Medical in Gympie on 54811873 or find them at 18 Young Street. The podcast is also brought to you by Gimpy Foam and Rubber, your local store that specialises in foam cut to size. They've got all sorts of good stuff like upholstery and craft foam or even loose fitting foam. The shop is packed with things like mattresses and pillows. Ha <laughs> ha! Not so squeezy. Oh, well, yes, it actually is. They'll help you get down and dirty with rubber flooring and mats, anti-fatigue matting, and they have industrial mats and rubber. Plus, for over-the-bonnet listeners, mention the show and ask for your discount, and you'll receive 10% off the marked price. That's right. 10% only for over-the-bonnet listeners when you mention the show and you have to ask for your discount. And finally, the show is brought to you by NICAD Earth Moving that specialises in roadworks, house pads, site cleanups and land clearing, dam construction and even dewatering and swamp drainage. I didn't even know you could do that. They have a 140H grader, which is big. Their Positrack Bobcat is also huge. There's a D65 dozer, three excavators for hire, including a 20-ton, 8-ton and a 2.5-ton. Plus, they provide side truck hire and have a roller and even a water truck. So contact Carl Dakin at NICAT Earth Moving on 0488 22 And the earth will move for you.